time in Jesus' name. How many know the reason why you sing? Amen. Jesus, Jesus is the reason why I sing. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is the reason why I sing. Amen. Amen. We're going to go directly to the word of the Lord, the book of Acts and the eighth chapter. The book of Acts and the eighth chapter. We're going to begin reading at the 26th verse. And I want to thank the Lord for all of our worship leaders and musicians and singers. And, and doesn't it feel good in the house of God this morning? I pray that the Lord will speak to your spirit today. I believe he has a word for us and that, that his word will come forth and accomplish something very important in our lives. Acts chapter 8 verse 26. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip saying arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza which is desert. And he arose and went and behold a man of Ethiopia an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He was returning and he was sitting in his chariot and he was reading Isaiah or Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you are reading? The Ethiopian eunuch said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. Like a lamb. Dumb before his shearers, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? And I love this. Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him, Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot. Everybody say the chariot. He commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Amen. By the help of the Holy Ghost today, I'm going to endeavor to preach something the Lord has stirred in my spirit I want to preach to you on this subject, the chariot of revelation. The chariot of revelation. Oh, hallelujah. Can we go to the Lord together in prayer? Mighty God, we humbly thank you for being with us in this place. Lord, we pray that you will pour out your spirit in a powerful way. Let us feel the nearness of your presence. Let us walk with you and talk with you. Let your word go forth and accomplish that whereto it is sent. Lord, we need you. We are nothing without you. 
With us, things are impossible, but with you, nothing is impossible. And we pray for the powerful anointing of the Holy Ghost as the word is preached and as we receive your word. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you so much for, for standing. There is a scripture in the gospel accounts that describes Jesus coming to a man who was, who was blind and saying to him, what would you have me to do for you? What a question. What would you have me to do for you? Sometimes I wonder what our response to that question would be. If Jesus walked down into this room and bypassed everybody sitting around you, walked down the middle aisle and looked over everybody's head and found you, and you're watching him and wondering where he's going to end up, and he just keeps walking your direction. Until finally he shows up directly in front of you and now poses a serious question. What would you have me do for you? What do you want me to do for you? you and we're, we're talking to the one who, who said, let there be light. And there was light. We're talking to the one who has all power in heaven and in earth. The one who who the scripture says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when he asks us the question, what would you have me to do for you? I wonder what our response would be. This man's response, he was blind. He had a condition of blindness, physical blindness. And he said to Jesus, he said, that I may receive my sight. That's what I would have you do for me. If I had to pick one thing, it would be that I would receive my sight. And I, I really feel that that should be all of our responses to the Lord. If he were to ask us, what is the one thing that I could do for you? Every last one of us, really, our response should be that I may receive my sight. We could ask for a number of things. You could ask for that long-awaited million-dollar check. You could ask for the bigger house, the better car. You could ask for even better relationships. You could ask for a hedge of protection. There are a lot of things, serious things, good things that you could ask from the Lord. But, but I would encourage somebody, if ever faced with that, Question, what would you have me do for you? I would encourage you to just, without reservation, just open up your mouth and say, above anything else, I want you to give me sight. You say, what are you talking about? Because I got 20-20 vision or 20-30 maybe. I mean, it's not so bad. Stuff's a little blurry over here, but that's all right. I'm, I can, I can kind of look out this eye and drive just fine. And <laughs> I tilt my head to the left and... Put my chin on my chest. I can see just fine. I'm not talking about natural vision. 
I'm not talking about that 2020 vision that you, that you may, may have or want to have. I'm talking about spiritual sight. Oh, if we could see the spiritual things. What would you have me do for you? Lord, I want to be able to see the stuff that my natural eyes cannot see. See, God is a giving God. The scripture describes his generosity. As a matter of fact, he said, I, I want to give gifts to my children. I want to bestow upon them the things they need, things that are good for them. Do you know the blessing of the Lord is different than the blessing of man? The blessing of man has all kinds of fine print involved. You know, you get the great, you get the great sales pitch and then there's some some auctioneer voice that comes on and reads through about three paragraphs of stuff. You don't know what he's saying. You're just saying, yeah, I read and I agree to all the terms and conditions. There's a lot of terms and there are a lot of conditions to the blessings of man. But the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. He said, if you being evil know how to give gifts to your children, he Notice what he said, if you being evil, now, now we have to understand what that means. He just called us evil. That, that should let you know who you and I are without the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't start thinking that you're responsible for your salvation or that you're holier than the person next to you. If we being evil know how to give gifts to our children. He said, if your child asks for bread, you're not going to give them a stone if they ask for fish, you're not going to give them a servant. And if you being evil know how to give gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven know how to give to you exactly what you need? God is a giving God. Yeah. Hallelujah. In the story of the great King Solomon, Solomon had a dream. And in this dream, he was praying to the Lord. And, and apparently, it, was, it counted as a real prayer. It wasn't just a, a, a dream. He was, his spirit was communicating with the Lord. And, and in this dream, he, of course, he was 19 years old, stepping into his father's uh, path and trying to fill his dad's shoes. His dad was one of the greatest men who ever walked the face of the earth. He was the man after God's own heart, still regarded as the greatest king that Israel ever knew. And now Solomon is 19, and he's going to follow in his dad's footsteps. And he just had a, a little conversation with the Lord. Have a little talk with Jesus. It'll make it all right. And he said, Lord, I need you to give me something because I don't feel equipped for this task in front of me. And, and here is 19-year-old uh, uh, man trying to, trying to find out what he needs from the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. That'd be a challenge because I know me at 19 years old. And, and Solomon, what he asked for was, was indicative and characteristic of where he was as an individual. Because he didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for long life. He didn't ask for fame. He asked for an understanding heart. Essentially, he asked for exactly what that blind man asked for. That I might see. That I might understand. That I might be enlightened. I want you to give to me an understanding 
heart. And the Lord said, because you have asked for an understanding heart, I'm going to give you an understanding heart. And because you didn't ask for long life, I'm going to give you long life too. And because you didn't ask for money, I'm going to give you money. But because you asked for the good and the perfect gifts, that's what I'm going to give you, and I'm going to give you all the stuff you could have asked for and didn't ask for. I wonder, I might have failed that test. I'd have been, at 19, you kidding? I'd have been torn somewhere between, you know, an understanding heart and a Ferrari. Somewhere in between there. It'd have been a real temptation, a crossroads of, Lord, <laughs> I want you to give me, uh, for, no, no, I better go with the understanding heart. Thank God he did, because he ended up with the Ferrari too, apparently. He had all the riches in the world in his day. And, and so, so when you look at this matter of Solomon talking to the Lord, he, he asked for the right gifts. You got to understand, God may not give you what you want. But he's going to give you what you need if you will call on him and look to him. He said, take no thought for the morrow, what you shall put on, what you shall eat. For the Father knoweth that you have need of these things. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. The stuff you need and are worried you may not get. Seek the good stuff. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul said, covet the best gifts. Seek after the best gifts. And, and these best gifts are, are not the Ferrari. These best gifts are, are not, the, not the natural things, the materialistic things. These gifts that we look for are the good gifts and the perfect gifts. The scripture says in the book of James, every good and perfect gift cometh down from above. They come down from the Father of lights. I'm going to say that again. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. And they come down from the Father of lights. One more time. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. They come down from the Father of lights. That's an interesting way to describe God. Because there are a lot of ways we can describe him. But when we're talking about the good and the perfect gifts, they do not come from earthly relationships. They do not come from earthly warehouses they do not come from earthly ingenuity they come from above if you're looking to this world for the good and the perfect gifts you will be disappointed every time they don't come from this world there's no celebrity that can give it to you there's no relationship that can give it to you there's no new gadget or invention there's no drug on the market there's no drink in the liquor store that can give you the good and the perfect gifts they come from above and particularly they come down from the father of light in whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning they come down from the father of lights. Now when we talk about him as the father of lights, we are referring to him as the one who enlightens and reveals and brings understanding 
and gives wisdom and gives knowledge. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the Father of lights. We mentioned it a moment ago. He said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, they wasn't talking about the sun, the moon, or the stars. Because those were created three days later. On the fourth day of creation, he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. But there was light before there was a sun. There was light before there was a moon. There was light before there were a twinkle, twinkle little star. Because the light that we're talking about is not natural light. It is the illumination of God. And I don't know what kind of a dark or sinister set of circumstances you're facing right now. But if you can get a hold of the light of God. Hallelujah. I said if you can get a hold of the illumination of God. The enlightening of God. The light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not oh hallelujah glory hallelujah light comes from God he will enlighten you that's why you're going through some of the things you're going through right now because in the end God is going to enlighten you Sometimes we believe that our joy or our peace is attached to a certain thing or even a certain person. And, 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 and there are times where those things have to be taken from us in order for us to understand that we are connected to God himself and him alone. Hallelujah. Let me, let me explain what I mean, ladies and gentlemen. If we put our faith in anything or anybody outside of the Lord of glory, then we are not having faith. Whatsoever of, is not of faith is sin. This is a problem. You've got trust in all sorts of things except the one thing that will save your soul except the one thing that will put a foundation under your feet listen the ground itself can move out from under your feet but if you're standing on the word if you're standing on the promises you'll still stand A lot of our problem is not so much in what we're facing, but in what we don't see. Hallelujah. What we don't see. I'm thinking about the children of Israel, the three Hebrew children. And they are, they are in a perplexing situation because here they stand in this, this place of, of total intimidation. If you don't bow, you're going to be cast into the fiery furnace. I mean, there's no, there's no debate what the thing you do. From earthly logic, you just bow, get it over with, even if, you don't, even if you don't mean it or care or whatever. But they said, no, we will not bow. We're not going to bow and worship any other God besides the Lord our God. And Nebuchadnezzar said, you must be out of your mind. You must be crazy. And it enraged him. And they would not bow. They would not sacrifice the integrity of their heart and their devotion, absolute devotion to the Lord God of Israel. So Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to heat up the furnace seven times hotter than what it was before. And you better bow or I'm going to throw you into the fire. They said, listen, you can heat it up 15 times hotter. We don't care what you do because God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. And even if he chooses 
chooses not to deliver us, we will not bow to your image. So they wouldn't bow. Nebuchadnezzar played the music. They wouldn't bow. Here comes the punishment. They throw them into the fire. The fire was so hot, the soldiers throwing them in fell down dead. When the three Hebrew children went into the fire, they were supposed to be asphyxiated on the way in. They were supposed to melt with fervent heat on the way in. But instead of that happening, they stood up, started walking around in the fire. And here's what's interesting. There was a fourth guy in the fire with them. Nebuchadnezzar's like, where'd you come from? threw three in the fire now I see four somebody said well the fourth man joined them in the fire I don't think so I think the fourth man was there while they wouldn't bow I think the fourth man was there when they said you can throw us in God may deliver us he may not and I think the fourth man was something they could see but Nebuchadnezzar couldn't see sometimes it just takes the light of the fire to let you see what's happening around you Revelation, enlightenment, spiritual sight. Hallelujah, it comes from God. These good gifts, these perfect gifts, they come from the Father of light, the Father of enlightenment. That's where they come from. Perfect things like love. Perfect love. Perfect love casts out fear. You don't get that from anything in this world that comes from the father of light, the father of enlightenment. Perfect peace that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. These are the perfect gifts and they come from above. They come from the father of lights. So we see in our passage of scripture, there's a man. He's an Ethiopian eunuch. He is, the Bible says, a man of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. The scripture says he had the charge of all her treasure. This man had the charge of all the queen's treasure. He was a wealthy man. He was an affluent man. He had connections. He was highly esteemed. And he was, he was traveling in his chariot. He stopped for a moment in his chariot. And the Lord was working on him. Because not only did the Lord draw his attention to an ancient text hallelujah of the prophet Isaiah but while he's doing that he's moving on Philip the evangelist telling Philip your time in Samaria is over and I'm going to transport you to a one on one encounter with a man who is hungry in his heart everything that he sees around him is falling short of satisfying his soul there's nothing that he has immediate access to though he has access to all the queen's treasure there's nothing that he has access to that can fill the void that's left by a sin sick soul so I'm going to take you to him and I'm getting ready to enlighten him I'm getting ready to reveal something to him hallelujah that will change his world his eternity and so Philip shows up and he looks down at this chariot down by the way. And the Lord said, join yourself to this chariot. He goes down to this chariot. And as he walks up, he hears a little something being said inside the chariot. And the Ethiopian eunuch is reading the prophet Isaiah. He looks over his shoulder and he, he sees what he's reading. He's reading what the prophet Isaiah said about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. 
exactly what somebody needs to be reading when they begin to consider the lost condition of their own soul. The place that he read was saying he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. He was led like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Philip interrupts the reading of the text. And said, do you understand what you're reading? Because you can read it all day long. Folks, there are some folks who can quote this better than you or I. But they don't understand what they're reading. You see, because it's about spiritual understanding, revelation, enlightenment. He said, do you understand what you are reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch said, how can I except some man should guide me? And Philip began at the same scripture. Now, folks, it, he was reading from the prophet Isaiah, but it really didn't matter what Old Testament prophet he was reading from. He could have been reading from Micah or Malachi, Habakkuk or Haggai. He could have been reading from Moses or David. David. He could have been reading from the stories of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or Joseph. It didn't really matter where he was reading because these are they which testify of Jesus. So he began at whatever scripture he was reading from and preached unto him Jesus. He preached Jesus wounded for our transgressions. He preached Jesus bruised for our iniquities. He preached Jesus chastised for our peace he preached Jesus by his stripes we are healed he preached Jesus the way maker he preached Jesus hallelujah the heavy load bearer he preached Jesus my God they're just riding along in the chariot just chilling and talking about Jesus. They're just riding, just rolling in the chariot talking about Jesus. And all of a sudden, the light turned on. All of a sudden, the Father of lights illuminated his mind. All of a sudden, revelation came on him. And he realized, he can save me. Jesus can save me. Jesus can pick me up. Jesus can turn me around. He can do it. He can, he can do it. Woo. Hallelujah. And the Ethiopian eunuch said, I want to be baptized. And Philip said, okay, you can be baptized if you believe. Because I don't, listen, listen, you can get in the water and, and you, can, you can do, you can swim laps in Jesus' name. But if you don't believe, you hear what I'm saying? It's based on faith, and the faith produces the obedience. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Ethiopian eunuch said, can I be baptized? Philip didn't say, sure you can. In a month, month and a half, couple weeks when my schedule opens up. Listen, folks, when you believe, be baptized. Don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. The moment the light turns on, oh! Baptize me in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. When the Lord shows up and reveals himself to you, don't wait another second. Don't wait another day. See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? 
And so they get out of the chariot to go baptize him. And the eunuch is about halfway up and stops and says, oh, wait, hold on. He goes back and commands the chariot to stand still. You want to know why? Because he was going to get back in that thing and keep on riding. Because when you're baptized in Jesus' name or when you repent of your sins, don't stop there. There's more to come. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call and with many other words there are many other words listen there are too many people who found out God exists and built a whole religion around that alone so many people then decided, well, he can take my sins away. He can, I can repent and turn from my sins. I think I'll just stop right here and camp out. Then folks said, if I'm baptized in Jesus' name, he'll wash my sins away. And they camped out there. Some camped out at the Holy Ghost. Some camped out at this or that. Don't camp out anywhere. Get in that chariot and keep on riding. He's not just going to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. They're gifts of the Spirit. There's a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a gift of discerning spirits, a gift of tongues, a gift of interpretation of tongues, working of miracles, the gifts of healing, the gift of faith. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Keep on writing. Hallelujah. Get back on that chariot and keep on riding. Glory. My Lord, get under the spout where the glory comes out. Learn something. Hallelujah. Let me just say something. Learn something new about God. It's not new. It's new to you. But it's not new to God. It's something you've never known about him before. Let me tell you something. Some of you are so stressed, depressed, distressed, about to give up throwing the towel. Some of you brought your towel with you so you could just throw it in. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Your deliverance comes in your next understanding about God. Everything you need is wrapped up in what you don't yet know about the Lord. Because if you learn a little more about him, it'll blow your mind. It'll rock your world. Your, the light will go on. The heavens will open. And you'll have all the strength you need for the battle at hand. You'll have all the power you need for the task at hand. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man. What the Lord has in store for you, He has so much to give you. There, is, there are levels of love you have not yet uncovered. You, 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 you don't even know how amazing of a forgiver God's getting ready to make you. Now, I will warn you, that comes with tests and trials. 
See, God's going to develop one of the most, most beautiful spiritual traits in you called forgiveness. That means you're going to be wounded. Don't quit. Don't backslide. Don't throw in the towel. But let him work something inside of you. Learn something new about God. See, he said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He said, where there is no vision, the people perish. They perish because their spiritual sight has gone dim. And they can't see the good things that are around them. That's what's so important that we see the Lord. That's what Isaiah said in the year King Uzziah died. I saw also the Lord. High and lifted up. Right there, there's a powerful truth. In the year King Uzziah died. That's devastation. That's tragedy. King Uzziah died. Who knows who's going to take his place? This is a problem. Isaiah's up against the ropes. In the year King Uzziah died. Anybody going through something like that right now? In the year King Uzziah died. But let your spiritual sight kick in. Don't just view things with your natural sight. To where you can see that King Uzziah died. And this problem developed and this situation emerged let your spiritual sight kick in because if your spiritual sight kicks in you'll also see the Lord high and lifted up and his train filling the temple Yes, King Uzziah died. Yes, it was scary. Yes, it was it was difficult, but I saw also the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and the angels cried holy holy and so the prophet Elisha said to the prophet Elijah because the prophet Elijah was asking him a question like Jesus asked the blind man the prophet Elijah looked at the prophet Elisha and said, what would you have me do for you? And the prophet Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah was like, seriously? You, now, folks, follow me. Follow the logic on this. I, don't, I can't even give that to you simply because it's a double portion of what I possess. I have a singular portion and nothing more, and you want to... Give, we want me to give you a double portion. It's impossible. What you're asking, Elijah said, you've asked a hard thing. In other words, I can't do that. That can only come from the Lord. And unless you see me when I ascend into glory, you can't have it. Because what you need and what you request and what you desire, it comes from spiritual sight doesn't come from anything I can give you. It comes from your seeing of the things of God. And so Elisha said, okay, that's fine. I, I still want it. And Elijah said, well, then, then just make sure you're there when I ascend. So I'll see you later. I'm going to Bethel. He said, you're not going anywhere without me. I'm going to Bethel too. And Elijah was, I think he was kind of annoyed. He was like, just give me some space here. I don't know when. You're kind of depressing me. I'm not all that fired up, excited about leaving and everything right now anyway. And you're hanging around like it's going to be any minute. And Elisha, Elisha's like, no, I'm sticking with you because I got to see. 
I gotta see. Folks, I wish we hungered for seeing God. Oh, hallelujah. Let me see. Some of you are so distracted by all the junk you're going through that you've stopped caring about the good and the perfect gifts. I want to see the things of God. And so Elisha said, no, I'm going with you to Bethel. And then Elijah said, well, all right, we're leaving Bethel. And then he said, I'm going to, to, to Jericho. And, and Elisha said, oh, all right, let me get my stuff together. No, I'm going by myself. No, you're not going by yourself. I'm going with you. Went to Jericho, then went with him to Jordan. They get to the Jordan River, and Elijah parts the waters of the Jordan River. They part hither and thither, and they walk through on dry ground, and all of a sudden, Elisha saw something he had never seen before. The heavens peeled back, and a chariot comes flying out of heaven. A whirlwind comes down and picks up Elijah and carries Elijah and places him into the heavens. And Elisha's looking up at this whirlwind and he cries out. He said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And the heavens close up. Elijah's gone. And a mantle comes floating back down to the earth. Elisha saw something he had never seen before. I'm going to tell you something. If you stick with God, you'll see things you've never seen before. tell you I don't care what so called scientist comes along and tries to tell you there's no such thing as God you say you say whatever you want to say I've seen him I felt him he brought me out he did something he did something for me nobody was able to do when I couldn't help myself God picked me up you stick with God you stay in the chariot don't jump out of the chariot. Get back in the chariot. If you're repenting, command the chariot to stand still. Because when we get done repenting, we're going to be baptized in Jesus' name. And when we get done being baptized in Jesus' name, we're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when we get done receiving the Holy Ghost, we're going to move on from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's never ending what you can understand about God. So I wish you, I wish I had time to preach the miracles of Elisha. Because folks, this man, starting with as soon as he received the mantle of Elijah, he walks back to the Jordan River they just crossed. And he's like, where is the God of Elijah? And he smites the water. Here go the waters parting hither and thither. Woo. I got a hold of a little something here. He walks through on the dry ground he just walked on. Gets on the other side. He realizes, oh, it wasn't about Elijah. It was about Elijah's God. And I've got Elijah's God. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you, stressed out dad. Burned out mom. Let me tell you, husband and wife who are going through it. You've got Elijah's God. And if God be for you. Now, this is a rhetorical question because you don't need to answer it, but here it is. If God be for you, who can be against you? 
I'm going to add a little something to it. If God be for you, who in their right mind would be against you? Elisha said, I've got Elijah's God on my side. Oh, hallelujah. That wasn't the end of it. I won't go through each and every one of them, but, but he came to some waters. People started mocking him, criticizing him, ridiculing him. And he just turned around and cursed them. And two big bears came out of the woods and ate them. That's a bad day. He goes on and finds a little place of water. And everybody says you can't drink the water because it's poisonous. He takes a cruise of salt, throws it in the water. The waters are healed. And now they can drink from the water. He keeps going on. See, he didn't, he didn't stop at the Jordan River. He just got in the chariot and kept on riding. Kept on riding. And, and, and finally it comes to some of his, some of his protégés who said, You're, the way that you have for us is too straight for us. We want to go do our own thing. And he said, all right, that's fine, whatever. And they took an axe head and they're felling the beam. And the scripture says the axe head flew off the end of the stick and it lands in the water and it flows to the bottom. And they, now, they, now they have no means of livelihood. And Elisha walks over and, and, uh, and, 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 and sticks something in the water and here comes the axe head. Floating to the surface said, here's your means of livelihood back. This man was endued with power. Power. This, this little woman of Shunem knew that he was a prophet of God. So she made a little place for him, a little apartment that he could have. And it was so nice and comfortable and he appreciated it so much. He and his servant that he said, I want to bless this, this woman and, and, uh, and her husband. And he said, what should we bless them with? He said, I think they need a child. Elisha said, perfect, we'll do that. He prayed for them. And he said, the Lord's going to bless you with a child. And the Lord blessed them with a child. They couldn't have children. The Lord blessed them with a child. Later, that child died. She came back to Elisha and said, I told you not to mess around with me. Why did you bring this child into my life if the child was going to die and bring me such heartache? And Elisha said, said we're going to take care of that right now. He sent Gehazi. Gehazi, he said, take the rod and wave it over the child and, and, and walk away. Because child, this child is supposed to live. Gehazi did what he said. Nothing happened. Elisha, though, knew enough about God at this point to know, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep trying. Keep persevering. He goes to where the child is, personally. And he lays down across the child multiple times until finally the child gets up off of its deathbed and is a living soul. And he presents the child alive to the family. That's the prophet Elisha. And there's more. We, we, I can't even get into all of it this morning. There's more. But that's the prophet Elijah. It all started with one chariot of fire. The chariots of Israel have come to pick up Elijah. That one experience with God's chariot, the whirlwind, God's chariot, set him on a course that, 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 that determined the ministry for the rest of his life. One particular morning, he didn't know this was taking place. But Syria was engaged in war with Israel. And when Syria was engaged with, in war with Israel, the Syrian king said to his generals, we're going to attack Israel, and this is where we're going to attack them. Array the armies, they'll never see it coming. Meanwhile, Elisha is in tune with God, and God says, this is where the Syrian army will be tomorrow. So he goes to the king of Israel and says, be careful because here comes the Syrian army. They're going to provide a sneak attack. 
So it ended up not being a sneak attack because the king of Israel was there waiting and he thwarted the attempts of the Syrian army to overthrow Israel. So the king of Syria went back and said, okay, something went wrong. Somebody knew what we were doing, so let's re-strategize. Let's attack from this side. And so he attacked from that side. Meanwhile, the Lord speaks to the prophet Elisha and said, tell the king of Israel that the Syrians are coming. And Elisha told the king of Israel, watch this area because that's where the Syrians will be. Same thing happened. The king of Syria comes back and he's like, we've got a leak. <laughs> Which one of you is telling Israel what we're trying to do? It's like, not me. No, I didn't do it. Did you know? I didn't do it. He said, what's going on? They tried it a third time. The Bible says not once, not twice. Every time that they tried something, Israel knew where they were going to be before it happened. And, and they were trying to figure out what's going on. How are they getting this information? And somebody finally said, it's not us. There's a prophet in Israel. And his name is Elisha, and he hears from the God of Israel. And he tells the king of Israel where we're going to be and when we're going to be there. And the king of Syria said, well, I know how to take care of that. Give me his address. I'll put it in my phone. And we will show up at Prophet Elisha's residence, and we'll take care of the prophet Elisha and the entire Syrian army descends on the residence of the prophet Elisha and Elisha is asleep and his servant is asleep and the Bible says that his servant wakes up in the morning pouring a little coffee <laughs> you know checking the news stretching goes to check the weather see how things are going outside opens the door and the mountainside is covered with the armies of Syria. And he gets scared to death. He runs back into the house and he says, wakes up Elisha and says, Prophet Elisha, we're about to die. The mountainside is filled with, with the chariots of Syria. And, and there's no possible way we can survive this attack. And Elisha said, what are you talking about? And so they walk out and he looks out into the mountainside. And sure enough, it's thousands and thousands and thousands of chariots and horses and soldiers. And Elisha said, Gehazi, do you, do you, not, do you not understand? We don't need to be afraid. He said, what do you mean we don't need to be afraid? The entire Syrian army has descended upon us. He said, oh, I forgot. You don't see. You don't see what I see. And Yehazi said, what are you talking about? And Elisha said, Lord, give him sight. Give him revelation. Open his eyes and let him see what I see. And the Bible says the Lord opened the eyes of Gehazi and he saw what Elisha saw. Elisha said, see Gehazi, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And the whole countryside, all of the mountains, hundreds of thousands of the angels of the Lord in chariots of fire. I'm going to tell you, 
the first time he encountered a chariot of fire, it was one chariot of fire. And he was blown away. That's like when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You speak in tongues. He fills you to overflowing. It's glorious. It's powerful. It's wonderful. But get back in that chariot and keep on riding. And ride through adversity. And ride through trouble. And ride through distress. And ride through perplexities. Keep on riding. Keep on going. Don't ever look back. Get into the chariot of revelation. My God, have mercy. And there's going to come a day when you won't just have one chariot of fire, but the mountains all around you will be chariots of fire. Glory. This is a chariot of faith. That's a chariot of peace. That's where I learned patience. That's where I became good. That's where I became kind. That's where I started forgiving folks. That's when I learned disease can't take me down. That's when I learned that depression can't take me down. That every one of them has an experience attached to them because you wouldn't get out of the chariot of revelation. You kept on riding. There's more of God to see. I said there's more of God to see. There's more of his glory and there's more of his power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what David said when he said, The Lord is my light. That's revelation. That's enlightenment. He's my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. The war should rise against me. My heart will not fear. No host should encamp against me. I will be confident in this. The Lord is my light. Everything you need is what is in what you have not yet learned about God. Somebody lift up your hands to him and say, Lord, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. Hallelujah. Show me. Show me thy glory. God wants to show you stuff others don't see. God wants to reveal to you things the world around you is oblivious to them. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice. The musicians are coming, and as they come, lift up your voice unto the Lord and tell Him, Lord, I want to see. Give me my sight. Give me my sight that I may have my sight, that I may have an understanding heart, that I might see your, your glory, your goodness. Hallelujah. Listen, there are going to be a lot of things to come and try to drag you off this chariot. But stay in the chariot and keep on riding. Don't give up on what you know about God. I know you're facing some things that seem uncertain and you don't know what's going to come next. But you take refuge in what you do know about God. I said take refuge in what you do understand about the Lord. You know he's a healer. Take refuge in that. You know he's a way maker. Take refuge in that. You know he's a savior. He's a deliverer. He's a redeemer. Take refuge.
all across this building, I want us to stand to our feet and lift up our hands unto the Lord. Come on, lift up your hands unto the Lord. I'm speaking to the person who's facing uncertainty in your life right now. And I'm telling you that you're in the right chariot. But it's time to get back up on that chariot and ride to your next experience in God. It's time to get back up on that chariot and roll down the avenue ways. Keep on walking with Him. Keep on living for Him. Hallelujah. Let Him reveal to you something you don't know about Him yet. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Cry out to Him in the name of Jesus. Cry out to Him in the name of Jesus. Cry out to Him in the name of Jesus. Come on, I want person. I want somebody. I want somebody who has just one chariot that you can point to and say, I, I know God did that for me. I want you to get on that chariot and ride and never look back. And he's going to add a whole fleet of chariots. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And they that be with you are more than they that be with them. Hallelujah. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Come on, I want somebody to come right now. Come right now. Come right now saying, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see your face. I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Give me an understanding heart that I might see. Give me my sight. Ooh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, that's it. That's it. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Ooh. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. See His glory feels like heaven on earth. Something's moving. Something's changing. Something's changing. See His glory. See His glory feels like heaven on earth. Like heaven on earth. Something's moving. Something's changing. See His glory. See His glory. Something's moving in your family, in your mind, in your circumstance.